Thank you for tuning in to Peak Earth. I'm Case Bradford, your host, and today I have the pleasure of sharing a conversation I had with Mitchell Van Beek. Mitchell is a go-to practitioner, meaning he studies and shares ways to recode our kinetic chain, to remove the kinks out of our body so that it is able to move pain-free, which is the name of his company, Move Pain-Free. At a great time speaking with Mitchell, learned many different ways, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, today I'm here with Mitch. How are you? How's it going? I am great, man. Doing the best I can. Awesome. Glad to hear it. And you are joining us today from Iowa, correct? Yep. Small town in Iowa called Rock Rapids. So any Rock Rapidians watching this, shout out, man. <laughs> awesome. And we, we connected through Twitter online over some mutual passion for, for movement. I remember you had, had written to me about inside ankle bone high as as a method or a modality that you're appreciating. It's something that I had never heard before, and and I was curious to learn more, and that was really the catalyst that led to us diving into this conversation to have a deeper a deeper jam on on, on, on what all that is, what brought you to this space, and, and how you're sharing it now. I'd, I'd love to learn a little more um, about what it is you practice in, in the movement realm and, and what you share. Yeah, absolutely. So that inside ankle bone high comment, yeah, just completely unsolicited. Obviously, you're just posting something cool that you're doing on a beach, like kicking above your head. But what I see as a movement coach um, is this, this orientation of your skeleton that's keeping your body safe, essentially. So what inside ankle bone high is, is just your toes are locked down, your heel is climbed. And then that inside ankle bone, the medial malleolus, if you want to like talk with nerd words, that's just climbed higher than the outside part of your ankle. And what that just allows is your shin to move on top of your foot pretty much and be organized with your upper leg. So that's just really unsolicited acronym, inside ankle bone high. I, I used I-A-B-H. But that is just a small piece of the entire puzzle of this movement-based training movement that we're doing um, online and um, in the world, essentially. So, yeah, just to dive in, like, how I got into that, essentially, like, my background in sports and coaching and exercise science, which is what I studied in college, and then I also worked in surgical sales for a little bit, has all formed this pretty unique worldview, I believe, the problem I see with the world, essentially, and that is that around 99% of people use their body incorrectly, in my opinion. And that's why we're seeing such high rates of injury, pain, surgical intervention right now in the world, essentially. And obviously, I didn't just come to that conclusion. Like, it just didn't pop into my head. But it's it's been from my own observations throughout the years. Um, so, yeah, we can definitely go into a lot of that. Do you have any questions about that right now? <laughs> Absolutely. So many. Yeah, this... This path that you're on, I guess I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into you as, as, a, as a human and as an athlete and as an exercise master, or someone who's on, on the path of, of mastery. How, how old are you now? Are, you said you, you recently left college? Yeah, so I'm 24. I've been, I haven't even been out of college for a year. Um, right out of college, went right into surgical medical sales. Um, basically like 
selling things to help people who just had joint replacements, stuff like that, and studied exercise science in college. So, yeah, I'm not too far out of college. I'm 24 years old, pretty ripe in the world. <laughs> awesome. Well, you're, you're clearly on the ball, on point. You're a sharp guy. I, I can already... I can already tell, and um, yeah, when I was when I was 24, I was a mess. I'm I'm 32 now, and just starting to kind of figure things out, uh, at least in the way just to make life kind of work for me. Um, but I think that when I was growing up, wrestling was it was a big part of of me learning to kind of come to grips with myself and with reality. And you mentioned that you were a wrestler as well. How when did you start wrestling, and and how did that sort of shape the man that you are today? Yeah, so wrestling, I've been part of it since I was born. My dad actually uh, was a very good wrestler himself, but he's been coaching wrestling since he graduated college. So that would have been in like 91 or 92. So, and I was only born in 98. So literally my first sporting event was probably um, maybe a football game because I was born in the summer, but been going to wrestling stuff since I was a baby. And then obviously started as soon as possible my dad actually was pretty smart, though. He didn't let me actually compete until I was a certain age, so I didn't get burnt out, because wrestling is a huge burnout sport. You, you see a lot um, burnout in wrestling. So, yeah, been wrestling my whole life. Um, I, I can't say I loved it. <laughs> can't say I loved it, but you learn a lot from it, if that makes sense, and you know. So, yeah, it's and <laughs> it shapes you in that exact way like not everything in life is super fun but you can find lessons to learn from even the most mundane the hardest the stuff that sucks a ton like wrestling practice wrestling meets and how about you when did you start wrestling as a sophomore in high school at that point i'd sort of stopped growing and the other my other peers had kind of continued growing so i was probably like 135 pounds at the time and I wasn't really able to compete on the football field um, anymore. I had really always enjoyed uh, playing football. And then when I found wrestling, um, I was able to compete against people my size. And it was, it was pretty liberating because it, even the playing field in, in a lot of ways. And um, I also really enjoyed the martial arts aspect of it, um, which I wasn't able to wrap my head around it at the time. But there was just something about it that was awesome. And then I was, I was later... Uh, later able to study many other martial arts, um, which brought a lot of passion and fuel and discipline into my life. And wrestling was really the, the start of that. Um, it also kind of gave me some confidence that, that I didn't have before, just the ability to that I could kind of control myself and, and handle myself and um, gave me some idea that I could be successful in, in what I set my mind to if I was able to, to practice hard and, and work through the pain um, did you have any other movement practices that you really enjoyed or, or did outside of wrestling or was it all, all wrestling? I'm from a really small town. So I seriously played sports all year round. Like we, we are able to play four sports. Um, and in Iowa, we play baseball in the summer. So you play four sports, one season just rolls right into the next. So it's, it's a blessing. I, I think, cause I, you go to college and you meet these people who went to huge high schools. They graduate with four or five hundred people, even or even more, and they play one sport, and that's that's their sport. But no, I played four sports, so it was football, wrestling, track, baseball, 
and loved all of them. Um, football was my favorite thing to do uh, just growing up my whole life. I played football in college um, until like I stopped being able to move, which kind of drove me into this path that I'm on now. So yeah, a lot of movement practices, uh, but again, my, my training for movement wasn't exactly what I would think it should be now, if that makes sense. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've learned a lot as a collective, as, as, a, as a species, really, over the past 10, 20 years. It's really, I mean, even look at someone like knees over toes guy, kind of like rewriting the narrative around what can be done with the human body and, and how you can heal, repair and, and build muscle in, in kind of new and, and different ways. And, and that's just one example. I'm sure there are many, many more. Even this um, go to practice or um, modality that you are learning and sharing this. This is another thing that is, is pretty recent and new as, as far as I know. How did you come across this and how did it sort of change the way that you perceived exercise and, and movement? I'm in college playing sports and I have like this typical, I feel like it's typical normal pain for a college athlete and I I'm just toughing through it from like middle school high school college the back pain the hip pain the knee pain and eventually I just like started thinking there I don't think we're designed to be in pain like this I don't think we're designed to be having damage all the time because that's what pain is it's just a signal of damage and Really, it took me like years to decide that I'm going to change something. I was doing all the all the academic stuff, like read. Okay, well, if you increase muscle mass around this joint, well, you're it'll be it'll be safer. All that type of stuff. And but when it really hit me was during COVID, like we all got locked down, and I'm just sitting in my basement doing like online college, and. I come across these these dudes on Instagram and they're not they're not lifting like deadlifting, squatting with a barbell across their back. What they're doing is creating these shapes and training these shapes into their body that they see in the movement film. And the movement film is showing either an injury resistant human or an injury prone human and we're training toward injury resistance essentially. So I actually started arguing with like a go-to coach on, on Instagram um, and <laughs> just get schooled. Like I was saying, how are you building muscle? And they, they reply, like, you don't have to use lifting-based training to build muscle, that type of stuff. And just go down this rabbit hole of, oh, okay, well, I guess we can train for secure movement patterns without, or, or we can train for secure movement patterns while gaining muscle as well. And, I mean, we can go into, like, the actual details of why I believe, why the go-to movement believes that, like, lifting-based training is actually increasing injury numbers, increasing the pain, and increasing, like, surgical and intervention rates. Because, yeah, that's another whole rabbit hole. But that's pretty – it was – I was stuck in my basement looking at stuff on Instagram. So that's that's how I got into it. Really. <laughs> Nice. How how most most uh, that usually doesn't lead to a, to a good situation, but um, you were able to turn that into a, a positive for you. So way to, way to go there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What you mentioned about lifting lead, leading to to injuries, and uh, I'm sure that ties into your own story um, in some way because 
your curiosity must have led you there. There must have been something in you that sort of signaled, oh, this is, there's something here, you know? And, and as you dug in, what did you learn and how did you apply that to your, to your life? Yeah, so this is, it was such a blessing. So at the peak of COVID, we're locked in. What I was doing with my extra time, I'm doing online school. And outside of that, I'm lifting weights, like trying to just get like really big. I have nothing else to do. And my back pain, my hip pain, my knee pain that I've had since I was like an eighth grader. I tore my hamstring when I was an eighth grader. And it was just a cascade of just small, uh, constant chronic pain and injury since then. So I'm, I'm lifting all these weights, getting really big, but my pain starts and keeps getting worse. <laughs> like, I can't run anymore. My girlfriend used to ask me to, like, go for a run. Yeah, no, no thanks. I, I gave that up. I gave that up to be good at the lifts is what, is what I say. You give up something when you train for something. So I start diving into the Gota rabbit hole, though, and start to kind of integrate it a little bit like you you can't really do it correctly unless you get a coach and like feel it because it's something that's like extreme feedback uh, you can't really learn it straight from a video um, just post it on Instagram but dive into it and then eventually I actually reached out to the guys their their brick and mortar facility is down in uh, Marrero Louisiana so New Orleans and I actually did my college internship down there with the Gota guys. So down there with uh, Gilly, Gary, and um, Cody was down there, and Ricky. And all these people have kind of split up now, so it's like not as close-knit, which that happens. It's not It's not really an issue. Um, but so I'm learning from all these people, all these established movement coaches in person down in New Orleans for an entire summer, which was such a blessing. Um, and then... I come back and I have one more semester of college and just start to spread the good word, man. Like <laughs> I'm in all these exercise science classes with these people who love to do the Olympic lifting, the, the power lifting, and then like the CrossFit stuff. And I'm just in there like, and I hate kind of how I went about it, but it's also like, you, that's what you do when you're just a testosterone ridden college senior, like just telling these people like, hey, if we are slamming our heel in the ground in our training, we're going to slam our heel in the ground in our movement. And just things along that, uh, those lines. Because there there are three main things that we can talk about later that I that I look for in movement and in training. And then we have to, we have to either lean into them or, or move away from them, depending on our goals. So, yeah. Go, I go down, intern, come back to college, start just spreading the word to people that I know. And now I have like a, a small following, but when people talk to me or see me watching sports and stuff, they ask like, are you always analyzing movement? Are you always seeing how these people are walking? And like, yeah, <laughs> I guess, but it's not... It's not like I'm always pointing out like, okay, you're using your foot wrong, like stuff like that. It's just... But when somebody comes to me who's in pain, they're showing these signs of pain, injury, that's when I dive in. We get that movement film, we look at it, we break it down, explain to them how these these joint segments, your foot, your ankle, your upper, lower leg, your hip, your spine, how those are supposed to be moving in unison, conjunction with each other. And then we can start to give them 
training inputs that will actually produce pain and injury-free movement. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's a great journey. You saw something online that piqued your interest. You decided that there was going to be some value there and you made changes in your life to go immerse yourself in the teachings directly from the source of wisdom. And now you're sharing that information with others because as, as you rightly ascertain, there's an enormous volume of, of injury out there. People are, people are getting hurt using their bodies um, in a way that they want to, in a way that will help get them fitness, but maybe not in a way that makes complete sense when it comes to a holistic understanding of, of the way that the body works and in a way that it's going to, to be continue working over time, under load, under pressure, under stress of, of fitness. Why, why, do you, why do you think that these um, improper movement patterns are ingrained in us? Absolutely. So I won't break it down to just one thing. I'll break it down to three, but they're all very simple. So our shoes or wearable correctives, we'll call them. So we wear these like soft things under our feet and I've seen even like back posture, like bands that people have been wearing now. They, they're not helping really. They're, they're like a bandaid. Okay. They're not fixing the actual issue. So soft shoes, they're messing up how our feet are actually absorbing energy, how our shin is working on top of that foot. And then obviously how our shin and our upper leg are working and then our spine can't do its job. It's just all these small things. And then another thing will be uh, our resting postures. So we sit in chairs in, in our Western society. We sit in chairs, we sleep in really soft beds. And what those things are doing are pretty much shaping our body differently than is natural. So I'm actually, I'm sitting in like a Seiza chair right now so it's keeping my spine in that nice long j shape uh whereas like when we sit in a normal chair and we lean back against it our spine becomes like this tilted s where our t-spine or our c-spine our t-spine and our lower back are all compressed pretty much they're all pretty much bending the wrong way and then our spinal discs start to get pushed out of place our hips get pushed forward due to those chairs as well. And then those femur heads that are sitting in our hip socket, so femur head, hip socket, get pushed to the front of that hip socket. And it's pretty much compressed in there too. You just can't move it as much. And then a final thing is our training inputs, which I've touched on, the lifting-based training. The, the training where the entire goal is to grab weight or have weight loaded on you and move it up and down, keeping it next to your center of gravity those things are all just contributing to what we would call front chain dominance which is just using that front side of our body uh, tensioning the front side of our body those muscles uh, and other tissues for movement and posture and that's not that's not really detrimental like just in, in and of itself because i've decided it is but when you observe the people who are tearing their ACLs, the people who are walking in to get uh, reconstructive surgery, the people who can no longer really walk, when they stand up and when they're just holding their body weight up, those are the behaviors that we'll see. We'll see these hips push forward, this tilted S-shaped spine. The feet will actually be collapsed to the inside edge of the foot. 
Um, and all this stuff is just contributing to, to that compression of the body. And they only happen because our body's amazing at adapting. So when you push your hips forward, you collapse the inside edge of your foot. That is actually how we're going to use that front chain most optimally. And that's why I would call lifting-based training a front chain dominant activity because what happens when you're deadlifting or squatting and it's like almost too heavy, the way your body's going to adapt is collapse the inside edge of your foot, load those knees in, and that's just making that skeleton in the, in the most optimal position to use the front side of your body to get that weight up. Your body's amazing. Wow. When we are... We're using all these inputs all the time. Our movement patterns are going to start to show that. And that's what, that's what we look at at Move Pain Free. Me and Coach Joe, we look at the movement film. We show you, well, you're collapsing the inside edge of your foot. Well, your knee's loading in. Your upper and lower leg aren't working together. That's why you have knee pain. Okay, well, your hips are stuck forward. You no longer have that full range of motion in that hip socket. That's why your hip hurts and then so on and so forth with everything in the body. And that's why we've changed how we train. We can train for strength, we can train for movement longevity with our hips back, with our toes locked down, our heels climbed, allowing that upper and lower leg to work together. And yeah, it's just very simple, small changes, but they make all the difference. Powerful stuff, man. Wow, really well said too. I, while, you were, while you were talking, I was having this vision of like the way we're all sort of raised through school where we, we put our feet in these, uh, you know, soft cushion correctives and then we're kind of sitting in, in a desk all day and, and that's just like forming our body into this like really unaligned, disaligned, sort of somewhat malformed shape and posture and, and biomechanical system that is not really fit to do much else other than like sitting and being in pain and, uh, you know. Yep. And then people go, okay, I mean, need to get in shape, need to exercise. So the first thing on a lot of people's minds is running. And that, that in itself is a high impact activity, let alone doing it in soft cushion shoes and a body that's, that's adapted to sort of sitting. Um, and then lifting, as, as you mentioned, there, there are some difficulties with that. So I, I can see why these activities would lead to, to pain and suffering and why a lot of people are struggling to get fit under, under those circumstances. Man, that's, it's some deep, deep stuff. It's, it's a, pretty gnarly situation there yeah it's it's so hard too because you're right the our society's like okay well you want to get in shape run and lift and our bodies are already so adapted to not doing those things and they're actually like opposites running and lifting so and we can get into that too so it is it's so hard to explain to people too like we need to teach you how to move correctly first recode your movement and then now you can run as far as you want your body's not going to break down your lungs might hurt because you're out of shape that's what happens to me now like I just spend all this time changing how I'm moving and then I get out and I'm actually doing the running and it's it's my cardiovascular it's my my oxygen capacity but that's what people don't understand and everyone wants the quick fix you know and movement recoding it's not that quick it's it's pretty quick in my opinion but it's not that quick it's not like a, a pill you take it's a pill you take every day for 20 minutes the consistency will will deliver results i i know my experience with counter balancing the situation that we grew up with with chairs and, and shoes one was just i do most of my workouts barefoot 
Um, and then when I, when I do need to wear shoes, I'm wearing, you know, minimal, uh, minimal shoes, which would be like a zero drop barefoot shoe type situation to allow my foot to articulate, um, which really stems up through the entire body, the back, the knees, the shins, as, as you mentioned, the entire body is, is, is kind of rooted with the feet. And if we, we can allow them to articulate properly, it, it does have upstream benefits, but it was uncomfortable at first. Like all that uh, training barefoot, wearing barefoot shoes was uncomfortable at first. Now I'm adapted. And then I almost never sit throughout the day. I was thinking yesterday that I just ne am never seated um, in a chair. I'm almost always standing at my desk or if I'm eating food, I'm often sitting on the ground and, and Cezanne or um, there are a lot of different ways to, to sit on the ground. But um, I think that's a little bit, we can talk about that as well. Um, and, and I'm curious how this plays out in, in your life outside of the dedicated um, time that you have set aside to practice, go to specific movements. Like, um, do you also train barefoot and, and avoid sitting in chairs? Or like, how do you go about structuring this? You mentioned beds as well. Do you, do you sleep on the floor or do you, do you sleep on, on a bed? Or like, how's this, how's this play out day to day? Yes, I train, I train barefoot or in a zero drop shoe. I like the brand zero, like with an X, zero. And then I sleep on the floor very often. Like if I need to take a nap during the day, I'm just feeling groggy, I'll just lay down on the floor. Cause I, that's where we get our best sleep. Cause a bed is not supporting your skeleton correctly. And so your muscles are always gonna be micro tensioned to continue to keep your body in, from like folding in on itself and essentially. So, I sleep on the floor a good amount. My girlfriend doesn't. <laughs> so we have a really firm bed. <laughs> but yeah, no, we we aren't quite to that place like every night. If I could convince her to just get like a, a, a floor bed, essentially, like something that's warm under you, but it's it, it's supportive of your skeleton, that would be great. But yeah, sleeping on the floor, is, it's very powerful for a power nap, though. I do love that. I don't have to really pay attention to how I'm standing, how I'm moving anymore. I'm not quite like in the perfect pattern of security yet. But when I first started out recoding, like even aside from my set aside workout routine time, I was always like, okay, are my feet straight? Are my hips behind my ribs? And are, are my shoulders rolled back? Because that's another sign of that front chain dominant behavior. Your shoulders are like start trying to touch each other in front of you to counterbalance those hips being forward. And that's a, you see it a lot. And if someone walks in to get a, a shoulder reconstruction or like a, a rotator cuff, you're going to be able to see the tops of their hands when you're stand, when they're looking at you because their, their whole arms just going to be rolled forward. And it's just the opposite of the legs where their feet are going to be pointed away from each other because their whole leg is rotated outward. Yeah. Just making sure that you, <laughs> that you are in this pattern of security all the time, it goes away, the need to pay attention to it all the time. Nice. A lot of different ways we can go from here. One, one image that came to mind is, is you know, I, I know personally my skeleton does seem to get rolled forward, and I see this a lot in people out when I, when I go and, and just look around. Almost everyone's sort of hunched over, curled over, I think probably from heavy technology use, heavy phone use, laptop use, we're all sort of forced into this yeah. position. Most people, yeah, exactly. Most, most people aren't aware of it, like the neck forward. And that's, you know, a lot of young people have this posture and, and aren't really even aware of it or paying attention to it. And I'm afraid of how this will compound over time because there's just, you know, the head weighs 
10 pounds and the more it tilts forward, the further it goes, the more weight it puts on you in the entire spine. There's just, there's, it seems like there's going to be a tidal wave of, of back injuries coming our, coming our way as, as a society if we don't, if we aren't, be, if we don't become more aware of this stuff and, and more aware of ways to recode, as you said, as for that specific tendency that that folks may find in themselves or people that care about how would you recommend going about recoding sort of that posture and, and opening up some of that front chain dominance like i was saying earlier you kind of just have to have someone break down your movement film to see exactly what the issue is because uh the hip is a really good example because it can be an issue with how you're landing on the ground but it can also be an issue with how you're leaving the ground if you're having hip pain so it is really important to have your movement assessed like, I don't know, pretty regularly at the beginning. And then, I mean, as you go, like twice a year, once a year, you can get it looked at. Uh, the the head and neck thing, I definitely feel myself falling into that because, I, I mean, I'm on my phone a lot, like making videos, uh, tweeting and stuff like that. So what I really try to focus on is when I'm standing, can I see the sky? Like... Because that's what our ancestors were doing. <laughs> they were looking up at the stars. They weren't looking down at a phone. <laughs> so can I see the sky when I'm just standing? If not, your head is way down and your neck is way forward. But then also, when you're sleeping, this this is a good time to use a pillow because a pillow is going to conform to your head. Just literally move your neck back and look up a little bit. And it'll that's just going to give you that space in the joints because the issue is compression. If you if you don't have this space, you're not going to be able to do anything and then your neck's going to really hurt. So yeah, that I agree that the the phone the phone neck, that's what it's called, the the phone neck. That is a huge issue right now cuz like little kids aren't even out playing anymore. They're sitting on their iPad. <laughs> and it's like what are you what are you doing as a parent with that? But you're, you're really messing their skeleton up, in my opinion. And they're sitting in a chair with the iPad, too. <laughs> That's the worst part. Yeah. Yes, it's so it's so true. I, I almost, sometimes I want, really want to make sure that when I am on my phone, I'll try and, like, have it in front of me, even though it's, you know, it's a little more difficult on the arms, but not looking down at it if I can. And I was always having something up more eye level so that my skeleton can be a little bit more erect and, slightly more of a nourishing movement and then even mixing in i mentioned a little bit earlier sitting on the floor i think it's interesting how and you mentioned napping on the floor i've, I've done that as well lying down on the floor just really feels good really feels therapeutic it's funny how many people look at the floor as like a dirty place that they don't want to go but a lot of humans and many other places in the world are really comfortable being on the floor and um it's something that is a nourishing movement it's it's archetypical posture of repose it's a way to like retune the body um sitting in you know a, a low squat a deep squat or, or seiza where you're um sitting on your this is a japanese for for uh, perfect sitting and perfect posture right seizen um and, and and you're just basically sitting on your shins um right there kneeling on the floor um, there's 90 90 where you can put one leg out sort of in front of you at a right angle and then the other one kind of curls back um, and you're, you're forming sort of two 90 degree angles with, with your feet. There, there are ways to sit on the floor without a chair that are, are really restorative and, and healing to the human body. And it's slightly uncomfortable at first, but it's honestly more comfortable than a chair once you get used to it because it feels good. It's like opening up your body. And I've been a huge fan of the way movement, posture, and 
things like this, the way that it then affects your mind, because the, the body and the mind, they really are one. If, if we are hunched over and crunched over, that decreases your confidence. It decreases your ability to think clearly. Like there, there are downstream effects more than just the back pain. It's really deep stuff. And I, I wonder if you've you found anything similar to that and what you've experienced or researched in the way that the, the body and the mind are sort of connected on this, on this journey. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the it's that same thing. Your your posture will affect your your outward appearance. Obviously, people see you hunched over like this. Like if I would have gotten on this podcast, I'm like, "Hey, how are you? What are you doing?" <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna think differently about me. So, and it's like I've been saying, compressive to the physical system is compressive to your mental system, your emotional state. If you're out here with your chest out, your shoulders rolled back, like you are going to just naturally feel more confident, like you were saying. And it's, I don't know the science behind that, but that it's true regardless, that it's anecdotal and everyone will say it. Like nobody will say, no, I feel more confident when I'm hunched over. Nobody's gonna say that. So yeah, it your posture, I, I came across this, um, when I was first getting into like the GOTA movement-based training, there was a training system called, I, I want to say posturing or posing. It was called posing. And it's literally like people like getting in like Superman poses like and just holding them. Like it, it was a, a emotional mental state training system. And I, at the time I was like, you know, I don't know. But now I probably would work. Um, like a Captain Morgan pose for like five minutes a day. That's going to give you some mean confidence, right? So yeah, how you hold your skeleton is how you're going to hold your your mind, your emotions. And it's going to just make you a better overall human at functioning in society. It's really true. Absolutely. In, in a deep and, and profound way, the body and the mind are, are just linked. It's bizarre that we separate them to the to the degree that we do, even, even standing, I often stand when I work, I always stand when I'm taking an important phone call or am recording a podcast because I'm able to think on my feet, I'm able to string words together more clearly. And when I'm seated, it's just, it's stagnant, like I'm much less fluid, I'm much less able to speak in a way that makes sense and flows. And, and when I'm able to stand and move, it's, it's just so much better, even going for a walk, my mind moves so much better than than when I'm seated, than when I'm seated or stuck or stagnant, and and movement practice as well. Um, just when I'm able to let my mind and body flow, man, my, my mind is is so much, so much better. It's in a much more elevated state. Yeah, dude, I love that because energy flow, whether it's like emotional mental energy or physical manipulation of our environment that is the key to staying out of pain physically emotionally mentally and that's what we're trying to do with this movement-based practice we've seen that the the skeletal orientations that we're getting into due to these negative inputs the shoes the bad resting postures and the lifting based training we've seen that those skeletal orientations are actually dampening our ability to flow energy through our body Good example, when we're lifting heavy weights, we want that, that core stability. We, want our, we don't want our spine to move, essentially. We, we want our spine to be a, a nice, solid rod. But in my opinion, the spine is literally 
the energy transfer system from each side of our body. It if you I wish I could just like have all the money in the world and do these experiments and just have like a, a tracker on someone's spine while they're running, it would be a perfect sine wave if they're a perfect mover. And that's the entire issue with a lot of this stuff is we're we're dampening that energy transfer system mentally, emotionally, physically, and people are suffering for it. So that's what we need to get back to. And like you were saying, like stand up while you're doing work. Go for a walk while you're on a phone call. You will think better because you're going to have that entire system's energy just flowing. I'm sitting right now. Maybe I should be on my feet and maybe we'd be having even a better conversation. It'd be like 10, 20% more, maybe 50% more because 50% of my body's locked up right now. It's all about just letting energy flow through your body. And you can't do that on, on a collapsed foot on, with your hips pushed forward with your spine locked up in the middle of your body. It's absolutely true. And at least you aren't sitting in like a, a standard chair where, you, where your body is clamped like a hose. You are in a, a, a much more, yeah. more fluid, dynamic, um, I, don't, I don't even want to say s- seated. You know, you're almost crouched or, or um, in, in a slightly different uh, lower position. Because um, seated, seated that, that whole that uh, clamped down position where you've got your digestive system uh, kind of clamped like a hose as well. It's not able to work as, as, as well in, in that position and um, being able to open it up like you are currently, um, that, that's going to be beneficial beyond posture too. The digestive system is, is going to be impacted in a huge, huge way from, from sitting, especially after a meal um, versus standing or, or sitting in a, in a better posture, in a better position. Um, you, on this, on the same vein of small things that can be done to help improve the body mind system. Are, are you a fan of hanging? I, I love dead arm hangs and i always look for a tree branch when I walk around there. I know where all the good ones are in my local area to just sort of, uh, hang on for, for a few seconds to realign my spine and, and my, my shoulder girl. What are you, what are your thoughts on hanging from things? Yeah, so I love hanging. There are people in the movement community, the movement training community, who don't like the the hanging, the pull-up uh, posture because they think it's a reverse movement type thing. But I love hanging. What I do try to do is close my hips, though. I try to get my femur heads in the back side of that pelvis, essentially point my kneecaps at each other, get those heels pointed away from each other. And that that's what's going to keep that spine in that nice decompressed J shape. Because what we'll see a lot in people who do dead hang is their their hips will be pushed forward and their feet, will, their toes will be pointing away from each other, essentially. And that's going to be compressive just to that lower back, though. I All the benefits of dead hang are there, though, but you can amplify them with proper skeletal, skeletal orientation. And that's really, like, the, the key to everything. Everything's beneficial. Everything works. But how can we optimize it for your body? That's a great tip. I'm going to try that. The uh, so moving moving my knees in towards each other to to bring my bring my hips into a more aligned position. That's a great that's a great tip, great tactic. I'm gonna try that out later later today. Yeah, you'll feel it, dude. You, your entire lower back could be like, hmm. I remember when I was a little kid. Now it, you'll feel great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's already something that feels tremendous in my, in my back and my spine and in my posture. And, and now I'm just going to add a whole nother, whole nother level to it. Excited for that. And when we 
look at a workout session, a movement practice, something that I think most people are, know is important and necessary and helpful and invigorating and supportive of, of them living a flourishing life. How do you sort of prepare for, for a workout? Do you have an extensive warm-up routine? Is, is there something that you do in, in a set way, a specific way every time? Or is it more dynamic, fluid, and kind of changing based on what you're about to do or how you're feeling that day? Like how do, how do you approach getting your body ready to engage with a more intense movement session? Oh, dude, this is, this is an awesome question because I think about this a lot. Uh, when I'm going to work out, I'm thinking of myself as a hunter, essentially. And my workout is simulating a hunt. So my warm-up is going to be really, really slow. It's like I'm walking to like the, the killing fields. I'm walking to find something. So my, my warm-up is just going to be I'm going to get on the ground, move my body in three dimensions, and, and get that work in, in all the, the directions that my joints can move. And then once I'm warmed up, I won't even really say warmed up. It's just once, once my joints are mobilized where I want them to be, and that changes every day, the, the routine I do, just how I'm feeling. Once I'm there, I'm going to do like two, two reps of like full out training, whatever I'm doing that day. Because in my opinion, you, you watch a lion chase a gazelle. They're going to chase that thing once, and if they don't get it, they're going to take a rest, regroup, and then they're going to chase it twice. And if they don't get it then, they might just say, well, we'll get them tomorrow. That's how I think about it. I'm going to go hard twice, and I've read a lot of research about two max, effort, ma two max efforts uh, increases oxidative capacity pretty much just as well, maybe a few percentages below, as doing hours of cardio jogging. I don't jog. I've, I'll run a 5K like for fun, but I don't jog. I sprint or I'm going really slow. And then after, after the, the hunt, after the kill in my, in my workout, that's when I'll, I'll slow it down again. It's like I'm, I'm picking up the kill and bringing it back. I'm, that's when I'll do my, my heavier stuff but still going nice and slow because we're not in a hurry. We just made a kill. We're celebrating. And then we're getting it back to the camp. And then, yeah, just, just toning it down on the way back. So, again, just fixing on anything that I'm feeling because I'm pretty in tune with my running now. Like if I'm doing sprints, I can kind of feel where I'm missing that, that pattern of security, so I'll work on that. So, yeah, simulate the hunt. <laughs> That's how I prepare. Powerful stuff. I enjoyed that a lot. That was, uh, and, and all this is very, what I love about, what you're saying and, and what you're sharing and exploring is how it's very different from from many of the, the mainstream and even a lot of the alternative stream movement practices like i don't know if you've experimented with with any other of these modalities but they you know we've got all these various martial arts practice there's sports there's just lifting bodybuilding there's uh, there are things like yoga animal flow um, there's so many different modalities out there and i i love how original and unique and and more uh, it seems like it's very aligned very ancestral what, what you're practicing and um i like how the emphasis is on injury prevention and and getting getting the the body and the mind to work in a way that's that's going to be supportive of life over the long term is you know it's something that you can practice every day without worrying about injury while also making yourself more bulletproof you know, over what whatever life may may toss your way out outside of the primary movement practice do you 
engage with like microdosing movements throughout the day? Are there like small recodes that you're integrating um, throughout your, your daily life sort of on a consistent basis? Or like, what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. It's, and it's, it comes down to like, I'm always kind of thinking of new things I can give people to actually input positive things. And so I'm sitting there all the time recoding. If I'm on the ground, I'm going to be doing what we call like child rockers or or um, cornering my hips, just stuff like that, just to keep my my feet, my ankles, my knees, my hips decompressed. If I'm walking around or if I'm just standing, like a couple times during this um, chat, I've just been doing like this, some, some spinal gyros, getting that T-spine gyroscope, just mobilized in every direction that it needs to. But yeah, throughout the day, I'm just moving but it's not something I really think about like I don't know if you've looked into it but it's called a drop-in it's basically practicing just a landing on one leg I'll hit <laughs> probably hit a thousand drop-ins a day just not really thinking about it but like it's just my natural uh, go-to stretch now like I don't do any stretches where I like put my heel on the ground and reach to my toe it's just I find max tension in the the pattern of security for landing and then just rep it out there so yeah i'm all day all day we're just going through recoding yeah, it's micro dosing but when you add it up it's it's a macro dose awesome yeah i'll also i'll, I'll include videos uh links to these movements that mitch is mentioning um in video form so folks can see them if you're curious i know i, know I am so i'm going to go research what these look like so i can integrate them in, into my life as, as well and then i'll just include a link um so that they are easy to access um from from this this point in your life in your journey with this where where, where are you kind of focused on like what is your challenge uh, physically or or from the realm of fitness and uh, recoding, is there something that you're focused on in your life developing and um, kind of growing or, or, or facing? And, and how do you, I don't know, how do you approach that? Well, I, growing up, I was a sprinter because I couldn't run for long distances because I was so inefficient. So now, and I said earlier, I don't run long distance, I don't jog, but I, I do, I'll sign up for those races, uh, but I'll train for them in a different way. So my goals right now are really just become that like a beast, pretty much. Prepare for the end times. Like if I'm gonna have to go hunting and run ten miles and get an animal, like I think that's what everyone's goal in mind should be. Like, what are you training for? Well, I'm preparing for the end times. I don't really care about aesthetics. Um, they come when you're using your body correctly. Your body is designed a way to move, and your muscles will grow when you're using them the right way so it's yeah so long distance just pretty much capacity to do human activity is my my overall goal pretty much same we're on the same wavelength there i would much rather be able to run well run far run fast than be able to squat a few extra plates like what you know at the end of the day I, I want to be able my body to be able to take me through this game of life in in the most efficient way possible and um you know one way to frame that is training for the end times being able to you know live ancestrally if the situation were to call for it you you'd be able to go and and carry you know large 
um, animal back to back to the camp if, if need be, or, or even just carry something heavy in a, a long distance. Like there, there are situations there that's necessary, even if you're just moving, <laughs> moving apartments or moving to a new house, like you're going to need to carry a couch down a, down a set of stairs. And it's helpful to be able to do that at, at a bare minimum. And then being able to run, you know, away from someone or, or run towards someone or catch something. Or, those are all really important skills that, that may end up saving your life in a real way. Um, jumping is another one, you know, who knows when you might need to yeah. jump over something or just like leap up into the air. It's, it's important to be able to practice things. And it's fun too. It can activate your imagination and make the training session a little bit more involved than being at the gym, kind of feeling like a machine, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm just a robot clanking out sets and reps, doing the same thing the same way over and over. It can be pretty boring and tiresome. I know it was for me. So finding these Finding these new modalities has always been invigorating for me and um, sparking, sparking my enthusiasm for, for movement practice and fitness. And um, it's awesome to see, to see people, you know, sharing more of this and taking part of it. How, how do most folks react when you kind of tell them all about this? Are, are they intrigued or is it, or is it dif- difficult for them to like kind of grasp a new, a new sort of method? It's hard for some people and Going through the exercise science route in college, I was in a really bad position to be explaining this to people because they're so, it's indoctrination, really. Because, I mean, I was there too. I, I was completely set, like, you need to lift weights and you will be more injury resistant, you'll be stronger, you'll be better at everything. Well, that's not what we see. And I started pointing that out and they don't like that. But the people who are outside of that realm, the ones who are actually in pain and are just having chronic injury and they're headed toward these joint reconstructions. Those are the people who are really receptive, I see. When you tell them, you give them hope, you say, we can look at how you're moving, show you the exact movement patterns that are causing these issues, and then just change them. And then people, their eyes light up, and that's the best part of it. They're like, I can do it myself. That's what uh, me and my buddy Joe, my fellow coach at Move Pain Free, we talk about that. The best part is when you give someone hope that they can do it themselves. It's a do-it-yourself thing. And you don't have to rely on society. You don't have to rely on the doctors to give you a shot every six months or whatever. Because that's what I got told was the the key to my back pain. I need a shot every six months. And then, okay, now you'll be okay. I said no. I and then found these other things. So that is the best part. It really is. That's a beautiful thing. Sovereignty is, is so powerful, empowering individuals. It's amazing. And it reminds me of a conversation I was having the other day about a man who had uh, been suffering with ulcerative colitis for, for 10 years and had been on consistent medication for it. And one day he said, no, you know, I've had enough of this. Shifted to a carnivore diet and remediated his ulcerative colitis and he's off these prescription pills that he'd been taking every day for more than a decade. And I know it's, it's not the exact same, obviously it's very similar. It's, it's this idea that, Hey, I don't need to rely on this industrial medicine system or even the fitness industrial complex. Like maybe these, maybe these large industries aren't serving me, you know, to the best possible way. Maybe I can serve myself in, in a more powerful way. And, um, diet is one way to do that. And movement is, is another. And, and this, this, work that you're doing with move move pain free and it's a powerful powerful method and i'm excited that that you're sharing more of it and are 
getting after it every day. What, what are some of your long-term dreams or visions with this? Like, where do you self, see yourself going with this practice and, and with this um, method that you're engaging with? It'd be awesome to just help as many people as we can, obviously. That's the goal at all times. We need to just get the word out, tell people you can do it yourself. Just stop relying on the things that are failing you currently, and we'll get you right. But long term, it'd be great to bring more people in and teach them just how we're doing this stuff so that we can continue to expand. Because, dude, there's 7 billion people on Earth growing every day. It's going to take a lot to fix all these people. And not that they're broken, per se, but their movement patterns are not doing them justice, essentially. Not doing their body justice, because... We can separate all that stuff. Like it's not it's no one's fault. It's just how society shaped itself as we went. But we can change it. So the the long term goal is get people resting on the floor, stop them stop them walking around in big uh, soft shoes, and stop the lifting based training for movement based endeavors. If your sport is lifting, lift because that's your sport. That's and that's what you need to be good at. Because lifting-based sports are awesome. It's really fun to watch powerlifting, Olympic lifting, CrossFit. But when those patterns start to go over to the movement-based stuff, that's when we start to see the issues. So long-term goal is completely reform the system, how we train, how we uh, form our society around movement inputs. Dude, Mitch, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your ideas and your, and your time with me today. Is there... Anything else that you'd like to share or anywhere that you'd like to direct people where you can be found online as, as we sign out here and, and go on for the rest of our rest of our day and enjoying this beautiful, beautiful Wednesday in, in October? Yeah, so if you guys would like to just start your journey toward getting out of pain, avoiding surgery, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my, my tag, I believe, is at VanBeek, double underscore three. Find us on YouTube at Movement Mitch. That's that's where we're putting out a lot of our info, and then on Instagram is Movement.Mitch as well, and that because that's where we're putting out a lot of the stuff that you you can probably link that stuff. It's a lot of just short videos showing that stuff. So yeah, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. That's our main stuff, and we're we're all we have a lot of just free routines that you can try out just so you can see how we coach people. Uh, we actually are doing free assessment this month right now, and. So yeah, we just are out to help everyone that we can. So go ahead and find us. Thank you, man, for having me on. It's been really awesome. I, it's really nice to have people ask questions because a lot of time I'm just like hopping up on a soapbox like, hey, stop lifting, stop wearing big shoes, stop sitting in chairs. It's like, it's really nice to have someone listen. <laughs> Tremendous. And you're really well, well spoken and, and did a great job presenting all this. So I'm Excited to, to dive more in, into it myself, and I'll link everything that you mentioned into the notes here. So thanks again for, for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.